Hi, and welcome to this Word in Season. Today we'll be hearing from Pastor Justin Naidu from Zoe Community Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. The Bible says God's Word is the seed for a bountiful harvest. We pray that you will flourish as you apply the principles in the Word of God. There is saving grace, but there is dominion grace. And you need the dominion grace to live on the earth. And every day you got to be overflowing with grace. The first key was the kingdom culture of Acts 2.42. And you know those four pillars of apostles, doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. You've got to stay in that culture. Because when the church started in that culture, the Bible says by the time they got to Acts 4.33, great grace was upon them all. That's why we major on the first pillar, which is apostles' doctrine. And then there's fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And if you come to most of our houses, we break bread every day because we know that this is a great table of grace. We fellowship around the word of God and there are prayers. Now the second key is where we got stuck. And we're going to stay here for a long time until it's manifested in our lives. And the second key is humility. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 6, but he gives more grace. So you get grace, but you get more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. God stands like a military army on one side and ready to fire at the one who is proud. That's the term. It's a military term, resist. Now, you don't want to be an opponent to God because of your pride. And you better fall on the rock before the rock falls on you. But he gives more grace to the humble. And pride is characterized by personal ambition, reliance on self, inflated self-esteem, delusions of grandeur, and a sense of entitlement. Basically, the proud person is only concerned about me, myself, and I. And like in the first instance where there's personal ambition, God is in none of his ambitions. But he will use God to get his way. That's a proud person. And we're going to look at some of those people today. But there's humility, and I want to go through humility very quickly with you. The Greek word for humility is tapenos. It is your acronym, so go home, read, and study it. The first characteristic of humility is transparency. The Bible speaks of, in the book of Revelation, the city coming out of God from heaven that was like transparent glass. A humble person is transparent. John 1.47 speaks of Nathaniel, and Jesus said there is no deceit in him. But I'll give you the flip side of a proud person. A humble person is very transparent. Humble people are transparent. They'll tell you, I can't afford it. A proud person will, will always try to cover up. This is what Adam and Eve did. They were covering up with fig leaves in the Garden of Eden. To be deceitful is to give a false impression of yourself. We were having a dialogue a few weeks ago and Cyril highlighted this. To be completely transparent is to be the same person in public, same person in private, same person in secret. You have a public life, you have a private life, you have a secret life. How many of you know that? That's true of all of us. But there's congruency in the three places. Let me tell you how your public life and private life differ. So some of you go to work tomorrow and your 
tune changes. I phoned someone from our church once. And I said to myself, uh, hi, may I speak to Rose? And I couldn't believe it. Hi, this is Rose. I, I was horrified because I said, wow, this is a different Rose. I didn't know I had so much of white people in my church. Listen, be yourself. Be yourself. Second thing about humility is you have an agape love. And agape in 1 Corinthians 13 is not puffed up. It's genuine and it is authentic. I hate it when people use that term love you and they use it so foolishly. When you have transparency, your love is genuine, it is authentic, it is real, and it is almost tangible. The next thing about humility is you have a penitent attitude. That means you are a serial repenter. When you are a humble person, you came to church on a Sunday and the moment you walk out the door, you tremble at God's word. You tremble because, wow, God, I, I messed up. No, I, I'm misaligned. Let me bring it back together. You're ready to say, I'm sorry. Having a penitent attitude is you, you have regret for the wrongs you have done. Oh, but if you're a proud person, you're not willing to repent. You never say sorry. Those words will never come out of your mouth. Humility esteems others better than themselves. Pride esteems and prizes self. Humility is characterized by intercession. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray, call upon my name. Now when you have humility, you are always praying to God. And you're not praying, bless me, give me. No, you are able to bring the needs and the sufferings of others before God. So you are always in a state of prayer. Prayer is simply this. Prayer is conversations with God. And you're always praying. Praying always. Pray without ceasing. Humility is characterized by a non-retaliatory attitude. Jesus opened not his mouth. But what we live in a world that has pride, so you always retaliate, you always respond, you always reply, you always react. I want you to know you got pride. I got pride. Come on, all of us got it. Remember, Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, my name is Justin. I have pride. I've been clean for 25 years. So every day when you wake up, you've got to die daily to the Adamic man in you. That's why you have to die daily. You did very well yesterday, but today when you wake up, you've got to die daily. Humility is characterized by obedience. Obedience to the point of death. Philippians 2 verse 5, Jesus became obedient to the point of death. What is the goal of your obedience? The goal of your obedience is death, even death of the cross. What is the goal? Your obedience to Christ must bring you to self-denial. Obedience is not for you to get blessed. Blessings are a product of your obedience, but the goal is death. Oh, when you are proud, you will violate God's word. You will live in gross disobedience. You will violate your parents. What my parents know, man? I got a PhD. My father didn't even finish metric. So you'll violate your parents. You'll violate spiritual authority. That pastor there. Somebody called me a short man the other day. I took offense to them. <laughs> that 
that sh- they describe me as a short that short pastor there what does he know i'm a graduate of harvard when you are in humility you will serve others you display servanthood jesus took on the form of a bond servant humility sets the antenna for grace that's what i want you to understand so every time i serve and i serve with a closed mouth if you open your mouth and serve you're killing it your seed is dying but serve with a closed mouth don't keep broadcasting hey me i'm go to church i clean the floors i do everything the pastor don't even have to tell anybody and you tell everybody everything that you do zulu is a lovely language i'm a zulu boy man zulu would put it nicely tula keep quiet azaya 42 will tell you who is blind and deaf like my servant blind and deaf you stay focused on your task if john mary and sue are not doing their task you stay focused you stay focused on your task i will serve and serve and serve if there is one title everybody is going to get in this church don't look for board member elder bishop archbishop pope one title servant that is what we must be baptized in in this household have a baptism in servanthood many of you would have listened to a, one of the greatest preachers of our time his name is dr sam solane he's jamaican but he lives in the us and he was born in india that's quite a mix but he is a lawyer by profession but he's serving god and dr sam solane was at one of our conferences and there was a guy who was serving dr sam i mean this guy was serving without getting in the way always just making sure sam had everything his book was on his table and he'll move away swiftly he had it down to a fine art without getting in the way and once someone asked him you know this guy is serving you so well tell us about him and then dr sam said he owns the second biggest airline in canada privately but he serves me and he was serving with a closed mouth <laughs> How many of you guys got airline here now to do all that? But you was, listen to me, you want grace, know how to serve your spiritual father. Serve quietly. Now, there are certain locations in the scriptures that give us an understanding of words like humility. And the physical locations actually are spiritual positions that we must migrate to. That place I'm going to deal with today is a place called Jordan. Jordan simply means to descend or to make low. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's not on the screen, I'll, I'll read it to you. You shall remember the Lord your God who led you through the wilderness these 40 years to humble you, to test you, and to know what was in your heart. God takes the nation through the wilderness to humble them, to test them, and to know what is in your heart you want to know what is in someone's heart see what they are like when they are going through trials and tribulations the word wilderness means a lip or a mouth how many of you know your wilderness must speak when you're going through your wilderness and god called the same nation his first born son now you would think god was mean to do that to his son but he was taking them through a wilderness so they could unlearn all the egypt that was in them 
So the world has a way of crafting pride into us. In Joshua chapter 3 and 4, the children of Israel are on their way to the promised land. And I mean, if you know, we have great promises in God. And they had a promise of the promised land. Here's a nation. But they had to go through the Jordan before they got to the promised land. And our destination is not the promised land. It is the promised one called Christ. And in him are all the promises of God. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But you have to go through Jordan. Because if you get all the promises of God, what you'll do with it? If you're not in the right posture of humility. You've got to go through the process. So today we're going to do a quick study, case study of a man by the name of Naaman. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Now Naaman, he was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. I want you to see Naaman. Naaman's got it all together, boy. He is the man. Watch it. Let's do the profile. Naaman is the commander. Naaman is great. Naaman is honorable. Naaman is mighty. Naaman meets all the quotients. All the prognosticators of success. The PQ, the IQ, the EQ. Naaman's got it all. But he was a leper. You can have all the quotients, but still be grace deficient. How many of you meet people like that in the marketplace? People who have conquered, reached the top of the sphere that they're in, got to the top of the ladder, only to find out the ladder was on the wrong wall. Oh, I hope that's not you. To find out it's empty at the top, it's lonely at the top, it's grace deficient at the top. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, here is this great man, the Bible says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, now Naaman is a leper, and watch what the little girl says. If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus says the girl who came from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that he may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, the Bible says he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So that he sends to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard the breaking news, that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, with his Bentley and his aircraft, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. 
And watch Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Watch Naaman's response. Watch pride in full throttle. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, I've had to read that narrative because many of us don't know this, but Naaman firstly came from Syria, and one of the key signature qualities of the Syrians is that they are prideful people. So Naaman is crafted by his environment. All of you sitting here, including me, are products of an environment. You are crafted by an environment. So if you live in Durban and you tell someone you travel 20 k's to go to church, they say, wow, so far you'll go for church. Or we tell them you travel 50 k's. But I'll tell them I'm going down the road. But we came to Johannesburg and the environment crafted us concerning the way we move and, and journey. The environment of Santin has a way of crafting you into a prideful individual. I don't need any man. I don't need God. I can make it on my own. Naaman had all the external trappings of success. But when he went home and he took off his robe, he was a leper. His pride was exposed. The man's got personal ambition. He's got all the stuff. And leprosy in the scriptures is a consistent picture of pride. Naaman had pride. And if you read the story, he gave it to Gehazi. Pride is contagious. Uzziah had it, great king, he had it. Miriam had it in Numbers chapter 12. The nine lepers who didn't come back and say thank you to Jesus, they had it. So the servant girl in his house says to him, there's a prophet. And Naaman journeys with his entourage. Man, I tell you, he comes with his entourage. He comes to the king. Goes to the president, Ramaphosa, I know you can solve it. See, if you want to capture a country, don't go to the municipal manager. Go straight to the president. There are things that kings cannot solve, but only grace can solve it. Your answer to some of your problems is not with your CEO at work. It's found in this environment called grace. Sometimes we think that the more time we spend with people who are high-level execs and got all their act together, you will find out that they live some of the most morally decrepit lives under the sun. 
You know what Elisha said? Send him to me. It was like Elijah saying to the widow, bring him to me when the boy died. It's like Jesus saying, bring the two fish and loaves. Bring it to me. So there it is. Now, he doesn't say to him, go and dip yourself in the Farpa River or the Abana River. These were both rivers of Damascus, both Syrian rivers. But Naaman wanted to be healed in one of those rivers. Very interesting names. Farpa means fruitful and Abana means support and to be established. I want you to see the lens of Naaman. Naaman is saying, I want to go to the Farpa River. I want to go to the Abana River. Many times in your journey, your lens, your perspective, your sight is only in the natural. So I will go to a certain place because it looks fruitful. I will go to a certain place because it provides support. I want you to know your fruitfulness and your support is not found in the waters of Damascus. It is not found in the systems of this world. Your fruitfulness and your support is found in Christ. It is found in the Jordan. It is found in the place where you can descend. And the Jordan was the muddiest of rivers. And I tell you, I love Elisha. Elisha had a good sense of humor. How do I know that? He told this fellow seven times. Seven times. You, you got a lot of pride. You're going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Imagine if Elisha had to talk to some of us. He might say, to the power of 1,000. Because we got so much of stuff. We are reliant on the accolades that we have. He has a great man, a commander. That means he had all the badges, all the stuff. But you have to take it all off and come and descend. But let's contrast this man with Jesus. Jesus came to John at the Jordan. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus is 30 years old. And I told you he was an Indian because he was living with his mother and his mother thought he was God. He's 30 years old and he comes from Galilee. The journey was very long, about 17 miles some say. And he walked to John. Note the language of the Bible. He didn't go to the Jordan. He went firstly to a human officiation, voluntarily submits himself, not like Naaman, squealing and grumbling no he says i will submit myself to the authority on the earth and that is john you know how difficult it is for people to submit to a human official in today's world hannah wrote in 1 samuel chapter 2 speak no longer so proudly your speech will always betray you <laughs> Ask Jacob, you have the skin of Esau, but you have the speech of Jacob. But Jesus came to John. You know, when I was in practice, and even right now, if anyone wants to major or go into a specialized field of law, I will say to you, good money, less problems, and not too much of conscience issues, labor law. That's the way to go. Labor law. You know why? Because... There's so much of labor issues. Right now, if you are in management, you know how difficult it is for people to take instruction? You know how difficult it is for people to listen to a boss? You know how difficult it is for children to listen to their parents? 
He came to John and there was no miracle done. No public service. John is trying to say to him, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill. Then he allowed him. Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. Many people don't understand that heavens open over your life only when you are postured in humility. It's not because of anything you have done. There was nothing he did. He never healed the sick. He never turned the water into wine. He didn't do nothing. But he postured himself in humility. The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. So it is in his DNA to humble himself. Now when he goes to the wedding, the first miracle he does, he doesn't go there and say, I'm here. He goes, and this is how humility works. It blends in. And when he blends in and there's a problem, he has the solution to it. For many of us that are here, I want to say to you, heavens will remain shut over your life if you don't know how to abase yourself. Lower, lower, lower. You know, you should sing that song, cast your burdens. Now you must go lower, 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 lower. Don't tempt Satan lower. Make yourself lower. Naaman's problem was that he had a blind spot. It takes great humility to deal with your blind spot. You see, humility helps us to introspect. It helps us to see our blind spots. It helps us to know the areas that we are incompetent in. 95% of people sitting in the church cannot handle truth. Spiritual fathers, prophets, and all of them, we are brought illumination to the word of God to help highlight the blind spot. And today as you are sitting here, you've got to ask yourself, where am I deficient? What are my blind spots? If you don't deal with your blind spot, your blind spot will deal with you. And we will call you spotty after that. Progress means... There is an unveiling of our areas of incompetence. And now, imagine someone comes to you and tells you on a Monday morning, these are the areas that you are incompetent and you got pride. Instead of going and working on that, you're going to provide a defense. And you'll never make progress. We are incompetent in many areas. We refuse to accept it. We stay in pride and we never come to dominion. You see, you can even be a great king like David. David did so many great things in his life. The Lord established him as king. He even went and took care of Mephibosheth, a great king. But there came a time when David committed adultery. Bathsheba's abdomen began to get bigger. Nathan the prophet comes to him and he gives him the story of this man who committed this great atrocity. And David says, hey, bring the guy to me. I want to sort him out. And Nathan says to him, you are the man. You are the man. Bit of Michael Jackson for you. I'm fighting with the man in the mirror.
David had a blind spot. And many people will want God to speak like he spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus. Shine a bright light and then you fall down. The spectacular is very rare. But guess what? God gave you a Nathan. God will give you a prophet and he will bring light. So today we're going to look at some of the blind spots. How about a smell spot? Bad breath. I remember one of our friends, he had a, used to give a bad body odor. So we bought him speed stick when he started dating a girl and we gave him deodorant to help deal with his body odor. You could have a deaf spot. You could have a snore spot. Now my wife, I refuse to believe that I snore. So what she did was, she recorded me snoring. And how is this for a blind spot? I even said to her, no, that's not me, that can't be me. God will give you a spouse to sort out your blind spots. Because when you're living with your mother, your mother becomes your blind spot. She will tell you, this is my Naina, he's so good, this is my son. She will love him, she'll hug him, and she'll never tell you your wrongdoing. But the moment you get married to that woman, she will tell you one, she will tell you two, she will tell you three, she will tell you four, and you will try to deny it. That's why we have so much of divorce, because we don't want to accept our blind spots from our spouse. Hezekiah had a spot, such a great king, such a great reformer. But he had a significant lapse in his life when he allowed the Babylonians to come into his house and he did not witness the truth. Blind spots are long-standing and they become accepted. Blind spots are a mindset and they prevent you from development. Your unforgiveness, your lack of giving, it opens the door for sin. Now the thing about a blind spot, you don't see it, but everybody else sees it. Moses struck the rock when God told him, speak to it, blind spot. Elimelech leaving Bethlehem and going to Moab, blind spot. Abraham going to Egypt to find a Hagar, blind spot. Jonah trying to run away from an omnipresent God, blind spot. The problem there is this pride. The early church had to deal with many of their blind spots. A blind spot is an area where a person's view is obstructed. You see, a blind spot, if you're a father, if you're a leader of a house, can prevent your entire family from growing and coming into the purposes of God until you humble yourself. You see, the proof of our growth is seen when we are delivered from our blind spots. The proof of your growth is seen when you are delivered from your blind spots. So let's go through some of our blind spots. Number one, Money management. What is first and who is first? I have a blind spot with money management. If my wife don't talk to me, I can, I can give it all away. Secondly, blind spot with your appearance. Now let me tell you something. You might think you look like a cool dude going to work in a certain way. But you need a father to talk to you and tell you, hey, you don't look so good. I was in court, in high court one day, and the judge told the guy, leave my courtroom, you do not have a coat on. Check out your appearance, are you neat, are you tidy? Next blind spot, blind spot with administration. I had this blind spot, <laughs> imagine being a lawyer and you don't have a will. 
My wife had to sort me out. Told you. You know what a man's wealth is? A man's wealth is good health and a good wife. Ah, a lot of wealthy men, yeah? Hey, ladies, come on. A lot of wealthy men, yeah? Blindness with administration. Next one is a big one. Management of your conversation and your speech. Everywhere you go, you make Langada stories. Listen, pride has to reply. Pride has to respond. Humility opens not its mouth. Somebody has a certain view of you. I stand before God. It's okay. You've got to learn how to manage your speech. Manage your speech at home. Some of us, like me, I grew up in Phoenix. You know, if we wanted to communicate in Phoenix, what we do, we didn't send a WhatsApp message to our neighbor. From this side, fourth door neighbor. Hey! What y'all cooking today? Uh, y'all brew, y'all not, not, not growing up like that, eh? Oh, fantastic here. But the environment crafted us, so you've got to learn how to speak. Everything is not an oyo moment. Learn how to speak in your home. Ladies, your turn. How you speak to your husband? Do you speak to him like how Sarah would speak to Abraham? She actually called him Lord with a small L. Men, come on now, brothers. How do you speak to your children? Are you shouting down at them, losing your cool? Go deal with yourself. It's a blind spot that you're carrying. It's a blind spot. and It'll catch up with you. Next one is a big one. Talking about all the goals you're going to achieve and achieving nothing. I almost came out first. No, you came out last. Two people were in the race. Blind spot with time management. Some people are 10 minutes late everywhere they go. Service start 9 o'clock, 10 past 9. Meeting start 8 o'clock, 10 past 8. And it's a blind spot. One day you'll get a final written warning because you were late. Blind spot in the way we manage other people's assets. Some of you got excited three weeks ago and you saw an X6 parked outside here in Pastor Justin's parking bay. That car was loaned because Pastor Ralph was here and somebody from our church said, Pastor, we'll loan you this car for the weekend. Now I got the car, I was loaned the car, I drove the car for the whole weekend. Sunday evening I went to give it back. I didn't want to even keep it till Monday. You know what I did Sunday afternoon? I washed the car. I filled fuel in the car. Went and made sure it was ready to be given back to the person. You think because it's somebody else's book, you can lend it to three other people. No, we got lawnmower in our house. No, it's not your lawnmower. Let me give you another blind spot. Big 21st century blind spot. Eating junk food and not exercising. If you invite me to your house, this is my diet. Calabash, doll, herbs. If you've got sour herbs, doll will be even better. It's okay to teach your children, mommy and daddy can't afford to go and spoil you with this junk food. It's a blind spot on us, parents. Next one. This is the blind spot where we're not taking care of our environment, our home. Next big blind spot. You can be in a relationship where there is no covenant. Another blind spot. Missing meetings. And you know, we say in this church, we are one meeting away from your 
breakthrough. But you saying, no, my connections came from Durban. Listen, this week the connections came. Next week the Tyler came. The following week there was no water. You missed three weeks of grace. Don't miss any meetings. Next blind spot, being too slow. The opportunity of a lifetime lies in the lifetime of the opportunity. When COVID hit, it was an opportunity. Three months later, you all are looking for masks. And you know how many scamsters were here? They got it in that warehouse, they got it in that warehouse. But there was a window of opportunity where you could sell those masks for whatever price you wanted. Oh, I tell you, you got to know when to make the moments count. Those of you who are under 40, don't be too slow to go buy your own house. Because by the time you hit 60, you don't want to be paying for a bond. You want to be sipping the pina colada in the Maldives. Virgin one, eh? Oh, being too slow. Knowing when to make your offering. Offering your offering with speed. You shall not delay to offer your first fruit. What about this blind spot? Inaccurate relationship. No, you know, they're my friends from the time I was a child. No, they are, they are fruitless, frivolous, fickle friendships. Inaccurate relationships. Next one. Self-centeredness. What about talking too much about yourself? Give you another one. Fighting your pastor. That's a big blind spot. Everything the pastor says, you want to scrutinize it, bring it under a microscope. We got so much of stuff that I got to deal with. Don't fight with any man of God. Love the servant of God. Serve the pastor. Paul even said, pray for us. That our work may not be hindered. Don't fight any man of God. Imagine when Jesus, in the book of Matthew chapter 21, was riding into Jerusalem. Jesus was riding on a donkey and a colt. So, the Bible says in John 1.14, Jesus was full of grace and truth. So, who is Jesus? Full of grace and truth. But now, on Palm Sunday, he was riding into Jerusalem. But he was riding on the donkey and the colt. You've got to understand that's the Father and the Son. Revelation for another day. Who was Jesus? Full of grace. But he had to be transported into the location. Don't kick your donkey. Because the donkey is carrying the grace. He's not full of grace. He's only carrying it. And where is he carrying it? To bring it to you. That's the best picture you can have of a servant of the Lord. I was about to say, I am your angel. But I can sing it. I'm your donkey. I'm bringing it into you. And the only thing we want to do is make Christ a reality to every one of you. The biggest blind spot of the 21st century church, the last one, is the absence of a devotional life. If there's no private interaction with the Lord, there can be no public demonstration of his glory. All of you are serving in this church. Forget serving, forget anything. Get the personal devotional life right. Everything else will come right. Are you ready to deal with your blind spots? And it takes humility. 
And if you are smoking and you are here, I'm giving you an instruction today. Before the 31st of December this year, give it up. Even if you're vaping, give it up. Humility is obedient. I gave you an instruction. No alcohol. Cyril Ramaphosa said no alcohol. It's lockdown. But yet, you are violating it. You're not willing to take the instruction. Imagine if you take that one Jameson or Johnny Walker bottle of 400 rand a month and you put it aside for the whole year. But you're having two a weekend. That's 400 rand a week times four weeks times 52 weeks. What will you do? You'll go on a holiday with your family end of the year because you stopped drinking. Imagine if you're a drinker and a smoker. But it takes humility to say, no, pastor is saying something that we must listen to and heed to. I'm giving you small couplets that we need to deal with, okay? I pray God has spoken to you today about your blind spots. Anger management. Ooh, we can lose it, eh? I lost it. I lost it. I'll tell you where I lost it. No, you're a fool. You've got a blind spot. I gave them a piece of my mind. The mind of Christ is what you should have. Give them a piece of that mind. I pray today that as I speak to you as my family, that you will get this right. Grace must flow. Amen. It's been so great having you with us. If you'd like to access any of our free resources, get more information, or sow a seed into our ministry, please visit our website on www.lifecom.co.za. That's www.lifecom.co.za. You can also subscribe to Pastor Justin Naidu on YouTube or find Zoe Community on Facebook and Instagram. Grace and blessings to you.